Okay. All right. It's time to start. We got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, so welcome, Larry Adams. Come stand by right here with me. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Y'all turn around. Turn around, Larry. Look at this way. This is Larry Adams, okay? <coughs> He's going to be uh, working on the food truck. If you're interested in seeing him, come talk to him. Larry, I'm thinking that day the school opens, we ought to be out there serving something. You know? I'm ready to take orders. I have a famous cookie recipe called Papa Scott's Cathead Cookies. The reason they're called cat head cookies because they're the size of a cat's head. I'll make them for y'all one weekend. Y'all, y'all want some cat head cookies? All right, well, I'll hook you up. We'll do that, all right? I'm done, Larry. You can go sit down. Now, we're going to go to session four, and y'all, we're going to drink out of a fire hydrant today. So if you don't get the blanks, too bad, okay? All right? So, you know, some of y'all, I'm not going to call any names Dane, that can't get your blanks filled in. You're just out of luck. No, I'll give you my notes. In fact, if you want a copy of my teaching notes, email Amber and we'll send it to you on email, okay? Because my teaching notes have lots of content that you're not getting, all right? So if you want my teaching notes, I'll be glad to share those with you. It's got all the blanks filled in. You can read all the other stuff. Uh, that's now the only thing I ask for you do not sell it because we'll all go to jail all right because I've stolen from everybody to uh, put this together so uh, if you steal from one source it's called plagiarism if you steal from multiple sources it's called scholarship that's right so we're being scholarly but uh, you can you can enjoy this journey together now tonight I'm gonna be in my best behavior because my precious wife is in attendance tonight. So, so Terry, anything you hear about last night, do not believe them. But we're going to preach online next week, all right? All right, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for these that are here tonight. And I thank you for the adventure we've been on over these last several nights as we've looked into the heart of your church. And Lord, we know that there's no perfect church because there's no perfect people. But you're a perfect God and you want to do perfect things in our lives, that you bring glory to yourself by shaping us in, to be like Christ. So I pray, Father, that we will listen and we will learn and we will lean in and we'll be contagious. And I pray this in your strong name. Amen. Amen. Now let's jump into session four. Now session four is how to turn members, turn attenders into members. How do you move people into membership? <clears throat> what does that mean? So building our congregation. So I want to draw a graph for you. And um, I think this might help because I want you to kind of see a process here. And there's a process map that I want you to see. I'm not going to draw a lot of maps for you, but I am going to draw this one. That we start in these big circles, these big circles. And the Greek word for this is oikos. Have y'all ever eaten oikos yogurt? Yeah, it means household is what it means. Oikos means household in Greek. And, and you'll see that when, um, like the Philippian jailer got saved, it said the Philippian jailer and his household were saved. His oikos, that was his circle of influence, are the people around him. So we have to look at the oikos of our lives. Who are those around us? And we always start at this outer circle, and, and that is the community. And that is who lives in our area. Who are they? Who lives here? Who's those people? We talked about that last night. And then we want to see people move 
into a, the next circle, and that is who is in our crowd. And that means who kind of comes occasionally? Who's the Christmas and Easter? Uh, does anybody know what our Easter attendance was this last year? 1750, that's right. 1750. Do you know what our Easter attendance was the first year I was here? The first year I was here, our Easter attendance was 811. 811. Our current average attendance, I think, is 786. If a church is healthy, if a church is healthy, within 18 to 24 months of your highest attendance, will become your normal attendance. So we're 24 months out from this, and you see where we are. So it's pretty close, isn't it? Pretty close, isn't it? And now, if we had 1,750 people show up on a regular basis, what would it be like around here? No parking. No seats, especially in the second gathering. Because on that Easter, we had people everywhere, everywhere. No space in kids, no space in, in students, no parking. So it's, it becomes a crisis, becomes a crisis. Now, I'll, I'll give you a little statistics about uh, First Alliance in Canada. My first Easter there, they had 2,400 on my first Easter. That was our Easter attendance, Easter attendance. I was there five and a half years. Our average attendance after five and a half years was right at 5,000, actually a little over per weekend, per weekend. The last Easter I was there, we had 9,800 people attend, which said that in the next five years, if the church is healthy, we would hit that on a regular attendance. Isn't that crazy? That's how things work. That's how God moves in his church. So that's the crowd. Who's there? Do the, the, you want to move the crowd into the congregation? Because you don't want people just to kind of come and go. You want them to come and stay, come and be a part of the family, come and connect. And then you want to move them from the congregation. You want to move them to the committed. You don't grow without commitment and spiritual growth is all, is all about taking next steps of commitment. Next steps of commitment. And then you want to move into the commitment. You want to move them in to the, uh, the core. Now, the core is those that are involved in ministry. Those are people that are actively engaged in ministry and taking care of people. Some ministries are public. Some are private. Some ministries, like children's ministry, student ministry, music ministry, uh, group leading, those things are more public. Some are more private where you have a personal ministry, where you're taking care of a group of people. You're providing pastoral care for people. That's a ministry. When people are sick or people are hurting or people are afflicted, or, or, or like, uh, like Jeannie, what you do with helping ladies, in, in your, that's, a, that's a private ministry. We're not going to put that on the screen, but you're doing that because you're honoring God. Divorce care, uh, grief share, those kind of ministries, uh, celebrate recovery. So that's the core. Then the last thing, the last circle is the commission. That is the people who are going out on mission, who are engaged externally 
in actions of love and compassion and evangelism externally. Now, how many of y'all do I want to see you go to the commission? All of y'all. All of y'all. And so we identify who's in our community, which is about 18,000. And then our, and then our crowd, and our, so that's about 1750. And then our congregation is about, we'll call it 750. And then our committed, I don't know how many of y'all committed. I don't. We're going to know, but I don't know yet. How many of y'all in the core? I think there's about 350 people actively engaged in ministry right now here in our family. That needs to go up, wouldn't you think? And then the commission, we are just now breaking into that about sending people out. Uh, Tom is helping us put together mission trips. I'm helping you do that as well. Uh, there'll be other opportunities. So that is the process, and this is what you do. Think about this. In fact, write this in the margin. We want to bring people in, bring them into the family. We want to build them up in the Lord. We want to train them for ministry, and we want to send them out. So we bring them in, build them up, train them for, send them out. Bring them in, build them up, train them for, send them out raw hide. Y'all got that? So that's the process of the building lives process, bringing people in and then sending to the point of sending them out. So the Bible says every Christian uh, belongs to the church family. They need to be a part of the church family. You've heard me say this a thousand times. A Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan. And that's true, they are. Now listen to what, what Paul said in the church at Ephesus. Now you're no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. It says in Romans, in Christ we heard many form one body and each member belongs to the other. Now I hear this word belong a lot. And I hear this word member a lot. In our vernacular, in our English vernacular, we think member gives you rights and privileges. Like I'm a member of Sam's Club. I pay them money to be a member, then I can go in there and buy stuff that I don't need, a lot of what I don't need at one time, right? Every time I, I'd be, it'd be better for me to just drop a $20 bill every time I drive by there than actually go in there. Because it's 200 bucks every time you go in there. I'm also a member of Costco, so I'm crazy. Most churches have that mentality. I'm a member, therefore I have rights and privileges. But the word membership, and why we use membership? Because it's a biblical word. Membership means responsibilities. You're a member of a body. If you cut off your finger and throw it on the ground, it is worthless. It's just a stanky, gross thing. And a Christian that's not connected to the local body is, well, they're defective. They're deformed. They're in trouble. And so we need to be a part of the body. Now, there's a, there's a whole sub, sub, subgroup of Christians. They'll say this. Well, I'm not into formal membership. Have y'all ever heard that? I'm just not into formal membership. I'm a member of the invisible church. That sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? But it's impractical. If you're a member of the invisible church, where do you give your invisible tithe? Who comes to see you when you're sick? The invisible pastor? 
I mean, come on, let's think about it. It's just, that sounds spiritual, but it's not spiritual. In fact, it's self-serving. Self-serving. We've had some people come to our family, and I start talking about membership, and they've left. Because they, they, uh, we don't believe in membership. Well, it's not whether you believe it or not. It's Bible. You know, it's Bible. So it's that Bible word that draws us in. Why? Because you will not grow without commitment. You will not grow without commitment. You become to what you're committed to. So the word belong is that we belong to one another. Now there's a myth today that only the oldest generation wants to belong to something. That's not true at all. Every one of us has the desire to belong to something greater than ourselves. Membership matters. Membership matters. In Christ, we belong for one body. We're all members of the body. So what do we have to do? How do we, what do we do? We have to create a climate where people want to join. The people say, hey, I'm in. I'm on the roster. I'm, I'm in. I remember when I was in high school, I went out for baseball. And uh, when my senior year, uh, there was, we had a new coach. And so nobody's, I had played baseball the two years before that, my sophomore and junior year, I was on the, on the team. And we had a new coach. And this coach said right at the beginning, he said, I don't care if you're a two-year letterman, your, your job's not safe here. You may not even make the team. In fact, he only kept three seniors on the team, and I was one of the three. And I remember that. 127 guys went out for baseball, and he kept 22 of them. And I remember when he was going through the names, calling who made the team. And guess how he called them? In alphabetical order. I'm a Weatherford. And I was the last name called. Last name called. And, you know, I was saying, but, but I wanted to be on that. I wanted to, so I had to make a commitment to that. But here the Lord has called your name. He's invited you in. He wants you to be a part of a team, part of a family, a part of a body, part of the body to make a, to make a difference. So create a climate. There's two actions people crave most in life. It's love and acceptance. People crave love and acceptance. They want to be loved and they want to feel like they belong. So Paul said it this way. Actually, John said it this way. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Paul later said to the Romans, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. What? Do you mean when I accept you, I bring praise to God? Yeah. When I accept you, God is glorified? Yeah, because when I'm accepting, I'm more like Jesus than any other time. When my kids were in junior high, I was driving them to school. I loved driving them to school because I just did. I loved having that time with them. And um, they're two years apart, so they were in uh, junior high together. And I remember uh, having a conversation with Kayla one, one day on the way to school. And I said, Kayla, let me ask you a question. Would you rather be tolerated or accepted? She said, Daddy, I'd rather be accepted. I said, why? She said, because you tolerate, you're just putting up with me. Accepting, you have to love me. Do you know, I can accept you without accepting your behavior? Did you know that? I can accept you without accepting your sinful choices. Did you know that? If you don't know that, you ain't been married long. We can accept one another and love, and we bring glory to God. Love and acceptance are the two hallmarks of the, of the climate of, of our congregation. In fact, healthy churches love and loving churches grow. A church grows, 
A church growth expert, Art Wynn, we're gonna quote him again, once did a study of 10,000 churches, that's all over America, we talked about that. He asked people to, to rate the friendliness of their denomination on a scale. He discovered that every denomination that was rated high on friendliness was growing, and every denomination that was low on friendliness was declining. Healthy churches love, loving churches grow. If we want people to be a part of our church, we gotta create a climate of love and acceptance. Do y'all agree with that? And I think you guys, we do a good job of that. So the single more important factor in what causes a person to stay in a church is relationships. Relationships make our life rich and relationships that give us connection. Now, if somebody's just attending on Sunday morning, they're coming in and coming out, do you think there's time for them to have a relationship? Not really, they'll have acquaintances. They may recognize one or two people, but they won't have a relationship. So we have to create a climate where relationships are natural and normal and connected. Now, there's a lot of myths out there today about fellowship. One of the myths is that small churches are friendlier than large churches. I want to tell you that's not true. I pastored all size churches, from churches that were little bitty to churches that were 9,800. I've had pastors and all these. And you know what I discovered about the church of 9,800? This is the number one thing people said to me. We feel like we're home. What? Now, I know they're Canadians and all of them had 15 kids because it's so cold, all they do is have kids. <laughs> but the, the thing is, we felt like we we're home because we cultivated a climate of love and acceptance. We cultivated it. Sometimes small churches can be very clicky, right? I've gone to churches that I wasn't a part of, you know, on vacation or something in a small church and go in and nobody talks to you. They talk about you. Who is that? What are they doing here? He looks like a preacher. Stay away from him and hold your wallet, right? <laughs> so it doesn't matter about the size of the church. It matters about the friendliness of the church and being warm and contagious. Now, I want to say this to you. People aren't necessarily looking for a friendly church. They're looking for friends at church or in the church. They need those relationships. One of the largest churches in the world is in South Korea, Seoul, South Korea. It has 7,500,000 members. That's crazy, isn't it? Listen to some of these stats. They have 11,000 seat auditorium and they have seven Sunday services. Next door, they have an 11-story building that seats 2,000 on each floor in overflow. And they fill those 11 stories and the 11,000-seat auditorium every seven times every Sunday. They have their satellite congregations who can't fit in the same place. Yet that church, if you get sick, you get a visit every day because they're loving, they're friendly. And they bring you an apple, which is the symbolic way of friendship in Korea. Every day, there's a group of people in that church, several hundred thousand that gather and pray every morning, every morning. Yet, in that church, they make a difference. How do you do that? By being organized and creating a climate of love and acceptance. And those, um, it's something you have to do intentionally. Communicate that our church is friendly, not an institution. 
We are not an institution. Do y'all realize that? We're not an organization. We are not a business. We're a family. We're a family. We're a movement. If we want to reach a large number of people, we have to help people see that our church is a family, not an institution. No one is interested in joining an institution unless you are crazy. They lock you up in an institution. So communicate the value of membership. So how do we do that? And that's why we have the membership class. Now, many of you have gone through the membership class. Step in to connect. And we teach that. And there's three parts of the Christian life. I'm going to cover them quickly. Three parts. Believe. Believing. That's the first part. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You cannot be a part of the church family unless you believe in Jesus Christ. Y'all got that? You can attend. You can watch. But you're not a part of the family until Jesus is your father. You must be born again. Must be born again. Belong. You're a member of God's very own family, and you belong to God's household with every other Christian. So you believe, then you belong. And belonging is an intentional act that says, here I am. Here I am. Now, one of the first steps of belonging is being baptized. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're baptized as a declaration of that, of that belief. And then you belong in the family of God. And then we belong to one another. Do y'all realize I belong to you? Do y'all realize that? Do y'all realize y'all belong to me? Do y'all realize that one day I'm going to stand before God and have to give an account for you? Do y'all realize that some of y'all going to make me look bad at the great white throne? I'd appreciate a little better behavior. Okay. I say that in jest, but that's true because it says that in Hebrews that I'll have to give an account. Here's the last part, becoming. From the very beginning, God decided those who came to him should become like his son, like his son. So here's some benefits of, of church membership, and we teach this in our class. It identifies me as a genuine believer. Ephesians 2.19, Romans 12.5. It provides me a spiritual family to support and encourage me. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It gives me a place to discover and use my spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. It offers, uh, it places me under the spiritual protection of godly leaders, Hebrews 13, 17, Acts 20, 28, and 29. It gives me accountability that I need to grow, Ephesians 5, 21. Help people see membership as a step of spiritual growth, not an organizational ritual. Back in the day, you'd ask somebody, I would ask people, said, so when did you become a Christian? This is what they said. Well, I joined the church when I was blah, blah, blah. Do y'all remember those days? Joining the church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't. But you have to be a Christian to join the church. The first step is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we must develop a plan to assimilate new members. How do you do that? Proverbs 20, 15, it says this, make plans by seeking advice. So here are 12 questions we need to ask in planning out our new members' assimilation. Here's the 12. We need to ask, what does God expect from every member of this church? What do we expect from our members right now? What kind of people already make up our congregation? How will that change in the next five to 10 years? How is our congregation gonna change in the next five or 10 years? Some of y'all going to be in glory. That'll be a change. Upgrade. <laughs> Upgrade. Uh, you know, there's, I, I think with the way Hayes County is growing, 
our church is probably going to have more young families, more kids, more students. How's it going to change? Hmm. Uh, what do we? What do our? What do our members value? You know why we wrote values on the walls so we could articulate what we value. We didn't do that because we wanted artwork. We wanted to explain. And y'all notice that if you walk the hallways, it explains those values. Have y'all noticed that? So tonight when you get a cookie, walk the hallway and look at those values explained. And there's scriptures that go with each one of those. What are new new members' greatest needs? What are our long-term members' greatest needs? You know what? This is something I care about our long-term members. Did you know that? I do. If you know somebody that's shut in or sick and they need me to come see them, I'll go see them. I will. I'll do whatever it takes to make them feel loved. Now, if you're doing it, you really don't need me to do it because you're already doing it. But if you need me, I'm your dancing bear. I'll come and, and love on people because I'm a pastor, and that's, that's what I want to do. I want to care. Uh, what makes, what, how can we make our members more mean, membership more meaningful? How can we ensure that members feel loved and cared for? What do we owe our members? What resources or services could we offer our members? How can we add value to what we already offer? Now, the reason I'm teaching Summer Soaked this, this year is because I didn't have anything to do in July but sweat, and I'm doing that. No, because I wanted you to know. I wanted you to know. I wanted you to come inside and look at the intentionality. And I think this has been helpful. Has it been helpful for you guys? It gives you a lot of encouragement. You say, okay, there's a system. There's a plan. It's not just willy-nilly. It's not just Pastor Scott being silly, even though I am silly. So five questions to ask prospective members ask. Here they are. The question of acceptance. Do I fit here? Do I fit here? The question of friendship. Does anybody want to know me? Want to know me? Y'all, making eye contact with people is so important. So important to look at people and see them and see them. The question of value, am I needed? The question of benefit, what is the advantage of joining? Let me back up the question of value, am I needed? Am I needed? Uh, my sister's joined a new church, and they told her after she'd been a member there for a year, she could probably apply to do something. What? My sister's amazing. She's a great Bible teacher. She has a beautiful singing voice. She's the most personable person in the world. Heck, she could be the pastor of that church if it wasn't Baptist. She was Methodist. It put her up there preaching. That's a joke. Y'all just relax. Deep breath, okay? But the thing is, you know, it's that, well, we'll see. Am, am I needed here? Y'all ever been someplace where you feel like you weren't needed? It should never be the church. Never, never be the church. The question of benefit, what is the advantages of joining? The question of expectation, what is required of members? So establish a membership class in which we've done. The manner in which people join our church will determine their effectiveness as members for years to come. So in the membership class, this is what we teach. What is the church? What is the purpose of the church? What are the benefits of being a member? What is the requirements of being a member? What is the responsibilities? What is the vision and the strategy? How is the church organized? How can I get involved in ministry? And what do I do now that I'm a member? But there's one thing I left off this list. We teach it first thing. Do you know Jesus? 
We've had people saved come to Christ in the membership class because we present the gospel clearly every membership class. If you've not been through it, we're offering it this weekend. Is it this weekend we're offering it? Next weekend, on the 11th. Okay, on the 11th. All right, we're, we're offering it. So develop a membership covenant, which we have. Now, there was, when we were passing our structure, our bylaws, there was some discussion about our membership covenant. And so we called it a membership agreement in our bylaws. A covenant, agreement. What this is, is an agreement between you and God and, and, then, and then from God to us. So we're making a covenant with God about being a part of this and we're making it to each other. Just like in marriage, you make that, that, diff, that, that commitment. The difference between attenders and members is summed up in one word, commitment. Commitment. You need a place to belong. Here's a fact. People will leave our church no matter what. When our church adopts a membership covenant, we choose who stays. That sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? But it's really not. Because if somebody comes into your organization or your family and they really don't believe in your vision and values, they're dangerous. Did you know that? So I want to draw. So y'all love it when I draw, don't you? Yes. It's like Pablo Picasso. In fact, my, my artwork is rather Picasso-esque. You can't tell what it is. That was also an art history joke. It was wasted. <laughs> we have a grid we use in evaluation. And it's a grid like this. And this says vision, and this says function, and this is high, and this is low. I'll move this over here. So this is vision, high vision, high acceptance, and this is function or competencies. And these are quadrants. This is the high, this is high, this is low, this is low. So if somebody comes into your family and they're high on vision, they have great competencies, then you really want to keep them. They're in with you. They have high competencies. You put them to work quickly. If someone comes into your family or a job, if you're a, an employer, and they have high vision, they're really with you, but they have low competencies, they don't have very high function, then you train them. You bring them in and you build them up. You build them up. You train them. If you have somebody in your organization and they don't accept your vision and values and they're kind of low competencies, you just let them go because they're not going to make it. You can spend a lot of time trying to bring them up this way, but it usually doesn't happen unless the Lord moves in their heart. Okay? If you got somebody that's high functioning, but they don't have your values, they're the most dangerous person in, your, in, your, uh, in the church family. Because their high function will make them influential and they'll drag people, other people down. That's why a church covenant is so important, a church agreement that we have high, that we agree on these things. Y'all have questions about that? Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. It makes sense, doesn't it? And so you start saying, here are the expectations. Expectations. So here's a sample membership covenant. Do y'all have that in your book? Okay. Uh, I will protect the unity of my church. I will share the responsibilities of my church. Well, you can read it. It's there. And we ask people to sign that. In fact, ours looks a little different because it's based on connecting, growing, serving, and sharing in honor. Is that the one you have in your book? 
because I think I have a different one in my notes, okay? Because I, I customize your book for our church. All right, when I teach this to pastors, I use a more generic membership covenant. So you can read that. So take just a second and read through that, okay? And we're doing good. We're covering a lot of ground. Okay, is that helpful? Did y'all know we had that? Did y'all know we had that? Now, some of you do because you've taken the class. Some of you, first time you're seeing it, but that's, that's fine. We're in this together. So we want to create opportunities to build relationships. Okay, I'm going to tell y'all a secret. Do you know why we have coffee and cookies after these things? Do you know why we do that? To build fellowship, to build relationships. So you have a chance to talk. So you have a chance to, to mingle. Do you know why we do coffee and cookies on Sunday mornings? Same thing. Do you know why we have parties with a purpose? Same thing. You, that, this is what we, we want to give opportunities to build relationships. So we have retreats. We have fellowships. We have parties. We have relational activities that are part of every meeting. We want to give you a chance to be a family. We want to encourage every member, every person to join a group, to join a group. Whether it's a Sunday school class or an off-campus group or a recovery group or a ministry group like uh, Carpenter's Helpers, we want to encourage every person to be connected in a group. Now, I want to listen. I want you to listen to me very carefully. I want you to listen to me. I will never kill Sunday school. I hear what you're saying in the parking lot. I'm not going to kill Sunday school. That would be stupid. Okay, are y'all got that? Because it's a way to connect. Way to connect. That's why we have opportunities on campus and off campus in ministry teams and groups. We've got a group right now in Hamptons, New York, doing vacation Bible school on the Hamptons. They had three kids saved today in vacation Bible school, when those team gets back, they will be bonded because they've been together. Tom's taking people to Mexico. When that team gets back, they will be bonded together, together. Those of you who went with me to Israel, we are bonded together when we return. Those who didn't get to go, you're bonded anyway, okay? That's Paul and Jeannie. They didn't get to go, and we missed them. We mourned them not being here. So be a part of a group. Everybody needs to be connected. Let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up our meetings together, but let us encourage one another, the author of Hebrews says. Every member needs to be a part of a group. In Acts uh, 2.42 through 47, man, they lived out group life. They lived it out. They grew spiritually. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They fellowshiped. They connected and fellowshiped with God and with each other. They worshiped. That's honor. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayer. They were praising God. They ministered to each other. They served. They gave to everyone who had a need. 
They evangelized the lost. They shared, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So you have to create those com- that, that opportunity, that climate for connection. Now, here's the next question to ask, okay? The next question is asked, uh, how in the world do we keep people informed? That we have to commit communication lines open. Commit communication lines open. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give attention to your herds. People to tend, have a tendency to be down on what they're not up on. So why am I teaching this? Because I want you to be up on what's going on. I want you to know. I don't ever want to catch you off guard. I don't ever want to surprise you. We have a, a value up here that says transparency, I think. Where is that? Oh, authenticity. That's the word we use authenticity. And what this says is we want to be open and honest. We want to trust the Lord and inform the people. Trust the Lord and inform the people. Now, sometimes that's hard because sometimes people have nefarious motives when they want to know something, but it's not my job to judge their motives because most of the time I don't even know my own motives. Y'all ever notice that? You're sure good at judging somebody else's motives when you really don't know the content of your own heart. And so we want to keep people informed. We send out something every week called the shout-out. Do y'all know that? How many of y'all get the shout-out? Raise your hand. Okay, that's a lot of it. How many read the (laughs) shout-out? We'll preach online next week, okay? We know how many people open what we send. We do. We know it's about, what, 30%, Dan, is that right? About 30% of of people who get the shout-out actually open and read it. This group reads it, right? Okay, all right, well, I'll give this. Y'all are the best and the brightest, so I would give you. uh, We print a bulletin every week. Did y'all know that? How many of y'all read that thing? Okay, it's not many, it's lesser. We put announcements on the screen. How many of y'all pay attention to when we do that? You see, and we try every, every this is what gets me. When people come, come to me, and we've been advertising something for three or four weeks, and they go, preacher, I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> really? I had a youth pastor friend of mine. He was in his 50s and still a very effective youth pastor, and he was bald-headed. He used to write youth announcements on his head. So the students would come and read his head about what was going on. So he was doing every means to keep communication open, keep communications open. So that's a part of it. Like we need to keep people informed. So channels for feedback, welcome registration cards. We talk about our contact cards, emails, group letters, prayer chains, personal cards, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Dan said to me tonight, everything I've ever done is now on our YouTube channel. Right, Dan? Okay, there we go. Everything we've done in Summer Soaked is on the YouTube channel. Okay. So um, channels we can use to communicate a message. Social media. Goodness, what did my computer just do? This thing just, I just went backwards. Here we are. Uh, Social media. Uh, online. You remember when we used to do church directories? Y'all remember that? And, and some of y'all said, Pastor, we need to do a church directory. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. At the rate we're growing, there's no way that church directory could stay up to date. There's no way. 
And there's a lot of it. If you want to know the backstory about church directories, come see me afterwards and I'll tell you the real story about church directories. Uh, email, website, video, voicemails, newsletters, prayer change, mail, postcards, so forth. Make your members feel special. Print a nice certificate of baptism, which we do. When you're baptized, um, we send you a baptismal certificate. I sign it. If I baptize you, if someone else did, they sign it. Uh, I've been signing a lot of those lately. It's pretty cool. Uh, we take their picture. We do a video of them. We show those videos. Uh, we have new member. Uh, we have new member classes, and we and sometimes we use public testimonies. You're going to see more of those in the fall. We've been talking about upping our uh, hearing from you, your testimonies about what God's doing. Um, and so these are things we do. We send out cards and letters and notes, and we, we do those things to make things make you feel special. Special, Okay? So any questions about, about membership or helping people connect into membership? Because I just got finished with that session. All right, there's some personal exercises that we will not we will not go into, okay? Are y'all ready? Any questions or thoughts? That, my friend, is a record. I've never taught that in 45 minutes before. <laughs>